I have a dream. When do we beat Mexico at the border? Now I'm in the chair and I can only assume that this is as strange for you as it is for me. I'm just back from California where I met the former cast of Friends. The big news in summer entertaining is to do it all at the beach. Yes, we can. I'm happy that you have had the courage to put it directly. I'm Andy Lemasugo. And I'm Bethan Golden. Welcome to the second episode of The Presentation Fix. And once again, Bethan and I are teaming up to empower you with the knowledge and skills to make an impact every single time you speak or present in public. Today's show is all about the power of personal presence. Growing up in the dusty streets of South Africa, I never dreamed that I would one day have an indoor toilet <laughs> and, and a job as host of The Daily Show. I was surfing the web the other day, and this topic of the power of personal presence is a real passion of mine. So I was so delighted to come across this YouTube video entitled The Power of Personal Presence. And what it was relating to was a Thomson Reuters convention, which was held in London a couple of years ago. And this was the keynote speaker that was speaking on this particular topic. But what a disappointment. In fact, it was so bad that I thought the first four minutes of his presentation was a skit that was actually being used as a strategic method of um, positioning this topic of presence. And of course, you sent me the clip going, oh, my word, Andelia, we need to talk about this because (laughs) I googled and found this clip. I am famished. So you not only showed it to me, you showed it to some people you were uh, facilitating discussions for in, in corporate, and to your horror, they didn't quite think it was as bad as you did. For me, it was a given, and that's why I actually shared this clip with this particular audience, that it was a given that this guy really was the epitome of the opposite of the topic that he was supposedly representing. But this particular millennial audience didn't seem to think that he was that bad. So uh, maybe I'm the one that's actually out of touch. So tell me what it was exactly about this guy's uh, presence, as it were, that just did not cut it for you. Or rather lack of, let's put it that way. Absolutely. So, you know, if you're going to be speaking on a topic in terms of presence or personal branding, surely your opening couple of seconds should be an absolute reflection of what that the take-home value would be on that particular topic. And the fact that he rambled on, he first of all came onto the stage with his jacket open, his name badge on and on skew. He then wandered over to the podium and fiddled um, in a nondescript way, I assume trying to find the visuals that were on his screen, on his notebook screen, talking under his breath, you know, at the same time. And don't get me wrong, he actually comes across as quite a likable person. So it's not as though I'm bashing him. He had his glasses in one hand and a notepad in the other hand. And he just kept engaging with the audience really in a nonsensical way. Three minutes into his talk, he hadn't even touched on the topic at hand. He then referred to a tip 
that he wanted to share with this audience in terms of something he had learned on presentation skills. And that was that you should always absolutely rehearse the first 90 second opening of your presentation to make sure that you come across with impact. And by the time he shares this tip with the audience, he's four minutes into the presentation and he hasn't demonstrated one iota of value, never mind look or sound the part. You know, we debated this, you know, in preparation for the show today. Uh, not really debated so much as just discussed this idea that, you know, the millennial mindset around presentation and, um, authenticity. This idea that authenticity is often substituted for, for getting things perfect or getting it right or having attention to detail. And yet the two really should and can coexist, particularly in this case where the person's actually on stage to teach how to present, to bring it on, as it were. When the topic at hand is personal presence, it's not necessarily about wearing a pinstripe matching black suit. If for example, the presenter on this topic is speaking to a, an audience of millennials that all come from a techie background. I believe that that presenter could get away wearing a great pair of jeans, a nice, clean, crisp uh, shirt that fits him well, and ultimately still be an example of the end result. So I think you've got to keep the topic in mind. You can be authentic, but you still need to be representative of the topic. Ironically, the person that introduced him as the speaker, said in his introduction that the audience had voted on this topic for the keynote presentation. So this was the most important topic or the topic of most interest to this particular audience. So I believe that he was disrespectful to the audience because he came across as ill-prepared and certainly not an example of what the end result should be, you know, with the speciality topic at hand. So then there's people listening to this going, okay, I hear what you're saying about presence, but I know people with the X factor and they don't try, they don't learn it, they don't acquire it by, you know, attending a course. They just seem to exude it, you know? What do you say to people who feel that this can't be taught, this can't be learned? Either you have it or you don't. I believe that it can be taught, and it was Winston Churchill who said he spent the best part of eight hours preparing for every one-minute impromptu presentation. And honestly, we owe it to an audience as a business presenter to put preparation into what it is that we're bringing to the party. You know, you can take someone like a Richard Branson, who doesn't fit the typical mold of dress or necessarily communication style. But my belief is, and my experience with him has been just not in having met him in person, but oh shucks, <laughs> just having, you know, seen him, you know, via various media is that Every time he opens his mouth, he adds value and he makes a personal connection with the audience. And possibly in this particular case, this Adrian Pagden could possibly have got away with the open jacket. So it's not necessarily about the jacket or the label, the name label that was still on his lapel. If he had opened with some really powerful, amusing, relevant, thought-through opening lines. But four minutes into the presentation, and it was only a 30-minute presentation, he still wasn't there. 
What do you say to people who think that sometimes injecting like a bumbling nature into your presentation might be a good idea? You know, the way uh, Hugh Grant does when he acts, he's got these ums and the ahs and they kind of make it uh, render him endearing to an audience and that kind of thing. Do you think that's a good idea at all? I think it's a good idea if you're a Hugh Grant. You know, you are somebody, you have a talent, you've really made it. But when you are just yet another business executive that is taking up some very valuable time of an audience. I believe that you owe it to them to really deliver well thought through value from your opening lines. And honestly, you know, if his first four minutes were a skit, which could have actually worked, you know, if he had built it in as this is the how not to do it, and then he turned it into some kind of a learning lesson, then it's another whole story. But you know, maybe one day I'll actually make the time to watch the balance of the presentation because just out of curiosity, you know, um, I'd like to know if he ever really did make a point um, of any relevance to this particular topic. And, you know, what I really believe is presence is not necessarily about having this vivacious personality. You know, somebody can have personal presence and can be quite a retiring individual. And yet, you know, people look towards them and they go, now that person's got the X factor as you so well worded it earlier on. I think of someone like Clem Santa, who, who <laughs> quite frankly, looks like your grandpa, um, at least <laughs> in terms of his styling choices. Um, but man, oh man, uh, do you want to be around that guy? And do you not want to just, you know, learn everything uh, he has to teach you and just hang on every word he has to say? Well, there's a brilliant example of how somebody can get away with not being the classic um, ticking of all the boxes in terms of excellent personal branding. So, you know, he, he would probably claim have his, in fact, I've seen him on numerous occasions not have the jacket buttoned. And I think I've even spotted a hole under his shoe when he had his legs crossed in a TV interview once. But you know, and he giggles at himself, you know, at the end of every third sentence, he has a little giggle at what he's just had to say. Like Jimmy Fallon or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, the, but he, he just is so thought provoking and he, he has such depth and, you know, we just as an audience can't but help hang on his every word. So they are the rare individuals that most certainly can break these um, guidelines. Let me not say rules. Let me rather say guidelines and get away with it. But honestly, I just get back to if you are the keynote speaker on a topic such as personal presence and not only do you not look the part, let's put that aside, but you're not even sharing not even one relevant pointer within the first 10% of your presentation, I despair. And of course, you've wasted our data. I didn't go past the, the first four minutes either. <laughs> if you wouldn't, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, well, buddies in arms, hey? Something like that. Well, listen, uh, Beth is about to drop some wisdom around how you can start to hone your personal presence, uh, how you can start to um, be cognizant of your power to influence effectively. And so here is your presentation fix. And today it's actually more than just one, actually. You've got three tips that you'd like to leave people, you know, who are interested in starting to develop a powerful personal presence. Yeah. So the three tips that I'd like to share with you today are as follows. And 
I know that this is my personal, be it bugbear or passion, but I'm really a firm believer in dressing to impress. And again, this doesn't mean wearing the classic business suit. It just means that you've taken the time and trouble to groom yourself in such a way that the audience looks at you, you know, even in a networking event and they go, now there's somebody that's always really turned out so well. Paying attention, you know, to sometimes, you know, as Walt Disney said, the success of the Disney Corporation is based on paying attention to infinite detail. So, you know, are your shoes polished? You know, do the shoes and the belt match? And, you know, a suit doesn't necessarily make a a well-dressed person. It's how you wear those clothes at the end of the day that really makes for impact. I'm busy checking myself right now. Okay, belts, shoes, matching, check. Um, What I like to do, too, is make uh, mental notes of how people react to me dressed in different ways. And obviously, being a broadcaster and working in so many different environments, I've noticed how being like the only suited person on on a film set or on a, on a TV set impacts how everyone relates to you on set and also how being slightly underdressed at a, a perhaps more fancy occasion gets people treating you like you don't matter nearly as much. And these are little things that over time, you can just start to take mental notes of, can't you? Absolutely. And this techie group that I was partnering with last week were an interesting case in point where because they're in the IT build section of this bank, it wasn't unusual that they would arrive to this particular presentation skills course dressed in their T-shirts that had their superhero pictures on. But there was one particular individual in the group that was wearing a really well-cut pair of jeans. And he had he came on the second day of the course in a sports jacket and a nice crisp shirt. And I said to the group, if you were a stranger coming into this room and you were going to pinpoint who the CEO of this group is, Yes. Who in this room would you pinpoint? And all of them pointed to Simon. So, you know, just interesting, the power of dress. And, and it wasn't about, a, you know, him wearing a, a suit, a Carducci suit. He was wearing jeans. But there was just something about the way he packaged himself that made him look like the authority in the room. And position himself as the person, potentially the only person you might remember from that room. There's no doubt about that. And so what would your second tip be? So my second tip is just the way you carry yourself or one carries themselves, you know, and this is not necessarily in a formal business presentation. This could be at a, at a networking event. It could be in your weekly meeting. And there's just something about individuals that have presence that they generally, you will find, sit tall. It's about posture. It's about um, holding your head high, having your shoulders back. It's also about how you would um, utilize your hands, you know, in terms of gestures, that they're not just all over the place, but they really use to convey and support the points that you're making in a purposeful and meaningful way. I'm horrible at this because I use my hands a lot. Uh, to make emphasis, to describe things when I'm excited. When I, I suppose that's something for me that I need to rein in because it can communicate things that you wouldn't want to communicate. Knowing you the way I know you, I think I am in a position to say that you utilize your hand gestures in a very relevant way. It's, you know, they support your personality. It would be a complete disconnect if you've got this vivacious way of speaking and this really engaging face and suddenly you like, um, soldier like with your hands at your side. So I'm not for a minute suggesting that you wouldn't use your hands in a natural way. But if I could say again, it's probably a bit of an, an, an oxymoron. It's 
net, we should be utilizing hand gestures and movement. If we're standing and we're delivering a presentation and we're moving around the room, we're moving, but we're moving with purpose. Gotcha. And thank you so much. I will take that affirmation all the way to the bank, if you don't mind. All right. So number three, right? We get three for the price of one today. Yeah. Well, the third take home tip of the day and the last, but not least, is to make a personal connection. And the best way any one of us can connect on a human level is through eye contact, but meaningful eye contact, nodding of the head, really endearing yourself to what the other person is saying, listening attentively and showing a genuine interest in the other individual's point of view and thoughts and contribution. I know some people have to work really hard at developing a curiosity for what other people might teach them. Often people, and sometimes I have to be honest, this is me sometimes, uh, you walk into a room with your mindset on what it is you will deliver to other people as opposed to what you will gain from actually being in other people's presence. Absolutely. And I refer to it as mental PT when it's not a technique that comes naturally to ourselves. So what we need to do is make an absolute conscious effort to hold back on speaking and not be listening with the intent to respond, but genuinely listening with the intent to understand. Now, here's a guy um, both Beth and I quite admire who seems to nail this principle 150,000%. Take a listen and see if you can spot who this voice is. Ha, ha, ha! Ha, ha, ha! Oh, my man! My man! Oh, this you? This you? Ha, ha! That for me is the coolest thing in the world. Of course, that's South Africa's very own Trevor Noah, who is the current host of The Daily Show at Comedy Central. He gets this personal presence thing spot on, doesn't he? He just is a master in his own lifetime. There's no doubt about it. But I think what works so well for Trevor is everything about him, what he relates, what he communicates is connected to everyday life. And that's what gives him the presence and the authenticity that he is so well known for. So let's see if he meets the grade based on the tips that you just provided. Does he pay attention to how he dresses and how he grooms himself? Yes, absolutely. Check, check, check. And uh, what about his posture and his use of gestures? Um, not just on the show, but uh, at, uh, at live comedy events. Does he do that? And yet another check. And although it comes across as very natural, my guess is that he puts a lot of time and effort into preparation and rehearsal. Can I tell you a secret? Uh, many years ago, before he sort of blew up the way he has, uh, he and I actually shared a performance coach who specialized in, in stage performance and stuff. And this is long before I met you, Beth. So, Well, performance coaching is maybe not my speciality. Yes, but a lot of what she taught is not unlike what I've learned from you. At least I've continued to learn from you. And, you know, things to do with posture and and diction and, and speaking clearly and making an impression. So I know for a fact that he spent hours uh, working on this area. He didn't take for granted that he was a good-looking guy who, you know, with a good smile that people would, would, would like just by looking at him. He knew that he'd have to put in the hard work of, of turning the talent he had, the natural gift he had, into something that could consistently deliver. With that said, I was doing a bit of research about him leading up to the show, and I was actually quite fascinated to identify that when he initially planned to make a go of it in the States, 
He did comedy shows in 40 states across the USA. Apparently, that's never been heard of, that anybody that's trying to make a break of it, you know, an American that actually knows Americans and knows and understands the culture, if they went to 10 different states, that would be putting in effort. So he really did whatever it took to make a go of it. And I really wish him all the best with The Daily Show because he really deserves to make it big. That might be an extra tip as well, that folks, a lot of what you discuss on the show isn't stuff that you can sort of grab and sort of master immediately. This is stuff you have to put in practice. There's a lot about you specifically that we sitting here uh, recording this podcast have no idea about your specific quirks, what you're good at, what you're better at, what what you really should stay away from entirely. And these are things that you can only discover with time if you give yourself the opportunity to put into practice a lot of what we're talking about here. Yeah, and the thing is that he doesn't have time on his side because as we know, the American market is incredibly ruthless. Um, they monitor ratings on a daily basis. And in his first month of representing that show, the ratings have dropped. And I think that's understandable. I mean, not only do they have somebody replacing the doyen of the show, but they have a, a non-American doing that. But on the upside for him is apparently the digital access to the show has increased tremendously. So he's definitely appealing to another element of the market. The challenge I believe that he's going to have is the Daily Show is a satirist show, and he really needs to be able to relate to the whole political scenario of the American environment, where what really made Trevor what Trevor is, is just relating to his daily life, life in South Africa and South Africans as a whole. So the shift for him must be tremendous, and without thorough preparation and thorough audience analysis, I think that he's going to have a very challenging time ahead of him. There's so many great metaphors for people's experience. I mean, people listening to this podcast right now in what you've just said. Firstly, the idea that you're not going to win every time you come on strike. I've watched quite a few of his shows since he started, uh, he took over from John Stewart and some of them are a little bit hit and miss. And, um, and then some of them are just so beautifully, perfectly Trevor Noah and no one else could have done that. Uh, and you need to realize that about yourself as well, as you sort of try and distill the essence of, of what X factor you have coursing through your blood. Uh, you need to understand that, um, th- there are things that are going to be absolutely totally you in such a way that no one else could could do and the other things you pretty much lose at and you'll learn very quickly not to do again the other thing that stands out for me in what you just said is the fact that in many respects trevor noah in his current role is a square peg in a round hole and many of you as executives out there might feel exactly the same. You might be thrust into the spotlight, given a position of responsibility, asked to lead a team, uh, asked to oversee change in an organization, and you have no idea where to start. Even you, sir, even you, ma'am, have an opportunity to get this right. At the end of the day, the secret to success is authenticity. If you can remain true to yourself, but also recognize that preparation is another key to success. So if you can combine those two ingredients, you can only but win. Well, speaking of winning, we feel like we're winning by being here for the second episode. And and thank you so much for listening to all of you. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Uh, if there's a topic or issue that you'd specifically like for us to address, discuss on this show, please give us a shout. On Twitter, Beth is at Beth Galv and I'm at Masu Andile. You can also get our attention by using Beth's hashtag, present Presentation fixer, uh, or you can drop us an email at info at bethangalvin.com. 
Otherwise, folks, it's a huge thank you for joining us. Like I said, uh, we do not take this platform for granted. We do hope we brought some presents <laughs> to the game today. Well, speak for yourself. Well, you're always rocking it, so I'm, I'm hoping I did all right. And so, folks, until next time, I'm Andile Masugu. And I am Beth Ann Gelvin. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Black Americans are so cool and confident, they'll make you feel good about yourself just by asking if you are you. It's magic. They just walk up to you and be like, hey, yo, hey, yo, this you? This you? No, no, for real, man. This you? And you'll be like, yeah, I think it is. Yeah.